1: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo. With your host, Patrick Moran.
2: All right, what's going on everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you for locking in today. Whether you're watching this on video, whether you're listening to this on podcast form, I appreciate you all. We're taping this on Wednesday. So today's show is dropping on Thursday. And I am joined by a recurring guest. Good friend of mine from Buffalo Rumblings, Anthony Marino. All right, buddy. It's it's midweek. So I I feel like we're kind of like at midpoint where we're still a little bit disturbed about week one, but enough time has passed that we can look forward to uh, week two and hopefully a much better tone um to talk about come next week and the weeks to follow. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm
3: good. And it's, you know, it's good to be on with you. I was thinking beforehand, you know, we do everything through training camp and preseason games and you know, the time over the summer, but this is our first time talking about an actual football game. So for us to be able to go through this, I'm I'm really looking forward to it because there's a lot to unpack.
2: There really is a lot to unpack. And if you're watching this. On the video side, I I got a graphic up of uh, Ted Lasso, and and I had that for two reasons. Number one, we're both Ted Lasso fans, so I'll throw up a Ted Lasso graphic absolutely anytime, but also his attitude, his mindset. One of the things that I like about that show, and I know you're a big fan of that show as well, is a lot of bad things happen, whether it was to him in his personal life or on the field coaching, but he always had that right mindset and, and right attitude. And I kind of feel like if you're a Bills fan, now's the time to, uh, to have that attitude because when it comes to, and by the way, I want to let people to know this too, we're going to spend some actual time today talking about some reasons I feel to be optimistic about this team, despite what we saw in New Jersey on, uh, on Monday night. But it was, let's start with Josh Allen. We we have to go before we can get into the positive stuff. We have, let's kind of do a little bit of housekeeping on the quarterback because, um, I don't know about you, Ev, and we haven't talked since the game. For me, that might have been the worst performance I've ever seen personally Josh play. Um, what was your takeaway from, from watching that game? I'm sure the frustration level as a Bills fan for you was pretty high.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, it was frustrating because the mistakes he made came at bad times, and it really, to me, it limited to – These like four or five mistakes. Sure. So when you talk about it, right, it wasn't this, oh my gosh, this horrible game where he's so far off where he's not hitting anyone. I mean, his completion percentage was around 70%, right? There were certainly some good things. And I don't want anyone listening to this to be like Anthony, how like but the point is when you complete 70% of your passes, there are some good things that took place. Mm -hmm. The mistakes were just big mistakes. Right When you think about four turnovers in the game, that makes it hard. And I know we don't want to get ahead of ourselves in talking about reasons to be optimistic, but really as I look at this game, it's about one player that really was bad, like really Mm -hmm. bad, uncharacteristically bad, and that was Josh Allen with those mistakes on Monday night. So if you look at it and say, okay, our best player had that bad game, he will be fine. He will bounce back. We have seen enough good games from Josh Allen, but right now him and the New York Jets, it's almost like uh think of like Jordan in the, you know, in his heyday with the Detroit Pistons. Like they had his number. They beat him. They battered him. All mm-hmm. these I'm not saying that Josh Allen is Michael Jordan, like two different pieces, but there's always that team that has your
2: number. And it looks like right now the Jets are in his head. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, kind of a segue into reasons to be optimistic about this team still. Maybe the biggest one is that it's. I think it's almost impossible for Josh Allen to play any worse than he did on Monday night. And you're right, you know, you could play well for a lot of the game, but when the mistakes that happen are as big as they are, it it wipes everything out. And, you know, I've listened to a lot of uh, content this week, and people are usually generally – optimistic about josh um joe marino sal capaccio on his show i mean it was uh kind of firing off on on josh allen week and well deserved too. let me play a clip for you this is from um what's the guy's name dan overlowski from espn yeah. he was on the k adams show and this clip or the, what he said about josh really resonated with me and it wasn't him taking personal shots or digs at uh Josh, but I'm going to play this clip because a lot of people out there probably haven't heard it yet. Um, I don't know if you have. I have. It was flowing around Twitter. All right. Well, let me play this clip and then we'll come back and I'll get your reaction from him because I think it's really well uh, said by Dan. Here it is. Uh,
1: I love Josh. I do. I, there's no bigger fan of Josh's than I. I've spent time with them. I got to hang out with them for a couple times this summer. I love Josh. I'm a huge fan of the person as well. <clears throat> Last night is one of those games where you sit there and you watch it with them. If I was his coach and I would look him dead in the eye and go, Bud, we got to grow up. Like we got to grow Mm -hmm. up, man. We can't have this conversation all the time about when Aaron Rodgers goes down, there's one chance, one way they lose that football game. And for $250 million, it can't be because of you, dude. And I understand that you think you're great yard you and you're competitive yard. You I love all that. It's why you're great. We got to grow up. We got to handle this situation better. We we got to handle the moments and and handle. He was, I mean, okay, I got, I have in my notebook rewatching the game last night, I have <clears throat> one, two, three, I have seven clips where I just described him as completely out of control.
0: Can't have that. Out of control. And,
1: out of control. Just you're completely out of control in the in the game. Your your eyes are all over the place. Your feet are all over the place. You're running before you have to. You're forcing the football down the field into double coverage again. Um, so I, I think that that is going to have to be a very. And this isn't being a jerk. He's a grown adult. He makes a ton of money. He's a great player. We got to grow up.
2: I mean. I, I don't know how you feel about that clip, but for me personally, that really resonated with me because I, I think it's personally, yeah, I just I think it's well said, man. I I really do. Um you gotta grow up a little bit just because some of those mistakes, that hero ball that uh that Dan's talking about at the end of the day it really cost him. And his body language, too, by the way. I don't know how you felt about his body language, but just I watched the game when my buddy Tone Bucks has been on the show with me a couple times this week. Just everything seemed off with him, not just, you know, with yep. the mechanics or anything physically, but just a, mentally, just, I don't know, the way he looked on the bench at times after mistakes, it was just real bad.
3: Yeah, I and I said it before, I, I do feel like, to an extent, the Jets are in his head. You look to the two games against the Jets last year, um, Robert Sala and that defense had given him fits. He'd given him a hard time. You can look at the statistics. You can go back and watch the games you know, arguably two of his worst performances last season. Now you go to this season, you open with the Jets, Monday night football, limelight, 9-11, Aaron Rodgers, all these things coming into it. And it just felt uncomfortable from the beginning. And really, it's it's interesting. I, I took a lot of times I, I don't, you know, members of the media and whatever they say, like, I don't specifically take issue with things they say but there were many folks talking after the game about well oh that first interception it was an arm punt like that's fine like no it wasn't he had 15 yards in front of him he could have run for the first down he would have had one defender to beat and it's like he rolled out to his left when he let go of the ball I'm thinking to myself my gosh Diggs must be in the end zone Mm mm-hmm like with nobody within fifteen yards of him, right? Something must have happened—a busted coverage—and it's like you're throwing a Deontay Hardy, who's double covered, down the field. When again you had nothing but green grass in front of you. To me, that was that was the most troubling play of of everything. The interception to Diggs, as much as I hated it, it could have been like, eh, you know, maybe you're trying to get a pass, uh, a pass interference. You're throwing the ball up there for him to make a play. You're about to take a hit. I'm not saying it's right. It just, it happened. Even the fumble, it's like, hey, you, you mishandled the snap. All right. But it was that first one that it was just like, to me, it was obvious as he rolled out, there was nothing but green grass in front of him. And that was a part that just felt, felt odd.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, look, we can go on forever about Josh, but those mistakes, he's got to clean them up. And I, I went back and I saw a stat that, um, It's a little bit disturbing, and Josh Allen, since the bye last year, his numbers have just been all right. But it's he plays well for long stretches, but it's the mistakes that are are really killing him, and hopefully he can find a way to reel it back. And to me, you know, a lot of talk about Ken Dorsey and some of the play calls. For the most part, I didn't have a problem with what Ken Dorsey was calling on Monday night. I actually thought a lot of the play calls uh, were good, with the exception of running the ball on second and 15 in overtime. After an incomplete pass of Dawson Knox, that drove me absolutely bananas. I mean, best case, even if he gets six, seven yards, you're still looking at third and long. Hated that play call. Assuming it was him that made the call and Josh didn't check down, we still don't know that, and maybe we never will. But anyway, that aside, if there's something about Dorsey, they, they, they got to find a way to be able to reel Josh in a little bit from time to time. You know what I mean? And, and just uh, get his head right. Because it seems to me right now when Josh makes mistakes, it kind of snowballs into... Uh, What we saw on Monday.
3: Well, and here was my take yesterday. And I get it. Everyone had their own opinion, right? Should Dorsey get out of the booth and be on the sideline? Like, you know, is Dorsey the problem? All these different things. You know, to me, I still look at it and think the Bills need a veteran quarterback to be in that room.
2: All right. I'm going to take a real quick break here to let local wrestling fans know that on Saturday, September 30th, Buffalo Championship Wrestling presents the big fall bash. This event takes place at the Arlene Mahalu Community Center, located at 82 Harrison Street in Buffalo. Event starts at six. Doors open at 4:30. On the slate, current NWA star Aaron Stevens, formerly known as WWE superstar Damian Sandow, will be there meeting fans and signing autographs before the event. In action, you'll see BCW WNY Heritage Wrestling champ Rockstar Robbie Vegas the new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, EC3, Mad Dog, the Calamity, Delson Alexander, the tag team of the Buffalo Bad Boy, Brian Jennings, and Bulk Nasty, Invincible, Vance Valor, and much more. For tickets and info, be sure to visit bcw-wny.com. Again, that's bcw-wny.com. And follow Buffalo Championship Wrestling on all social media platforms at bcwwny.
3: Josh is 27 years old. He does not have everything figured out. So sure, you know, do you need that Case Keenum type of quarterback in the room with you? Not just these young guys that have upside. I don't even want to say Matt Barkley is that person based on the closeness, but like someone that can sit on the bench with him and be like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you know what I mean? Kind of that grizzled vet to pull him aside and just be like, "Cut it out," because it doesn't seem that that's happening. And I realize, like, I'm looking for a solution here and what it is, and, and kind of looking for these little pieces. He can come out and put up 400 yards against the Raiders on Sunday, sure. and everybody will be over the moon again. So we'll we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, I agree. Listen, 100. percent. I'm not. I'm down on him for one game. I'm not like saying you know this is uh He's at the crossroads of his career right now or anything like that. And plus, look, it's been it's low hanging fruit right now to criticize Josh Allen. There are other reasons besides him. He was the biggest reason, but there are other reasons why they lost. But it's one game. um, It just it was just one of those nights. It it happens in sports. So for now, at least anyway, let's kind of have an optimistic um, attitude going forward. And that's one of the things that I want to talk to you about today. Were reasons for optimism. And like I said, with Josh, it's just, he ain't going to play that bad again. At least I'm confident that comes yeah. Sunday and the week after and the week after that he will be better. So that alone has me um, optimistic. I thought Dalton Kincaid played well. He got his feet wet. So this is another point. You know, four catches, 26 yards, four targets, four catches. Um, I think he's going to be a bigger factor going forward. Played a lot. By the way, they played a lot of 12 personnel. In fact, I, I don't know the exact number, but I know that they played more two tight end sets than anyone in the league in week one. So if we were wondering how much we were going to see two tight ends, we got our answer pretty much uh, right away. But I don't know. Your your first impressions on Dalton Kincaid, I'll tell you what, and and, I, and this is speculation. We'll never know, too. I thought he played well, but also that overtime on that first play, it was a bad pass from Josh Allen to Dawson Knox. It was really low. But I just kind of feel like Dalton Kincaid catches that. He catches everything. That's why, you know, I feel that way. But anyway, your overall impressions with Kincaid right now after watching him in actual regular season action.
3: Yeah, I thought it was a good start, right? I yeah. mean, four catches, four targets. That's what you like to see. You know, when you talk about that position, a- again, you're not going to look at it and say, you know, yeah, you what, six and a half yards per catch, nothing crazy. But we talk about him replacing Cole Beasley, right? That high percentage target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you're going to average somewhere between seven to 10 yards per catch during a game. That's fine. Like that is what you're looking for that safety blanket. I'm good with it. I'd like to see him targeted more and maybe we'll start to see that this weekend. I thought that was an area where the Jets might have been vulnerable. But listen, between him and Dawson Knox, I mean it was eight receptions on nine targets. That's that's a pretty good combination. Sure. And and I'll be honest, I was a bit surprised that Dawson Knox dropped that pass. I mean, he has been so much better. I've seen him make better catches. It was not a great throw by no. by any stretch, but um but enough where again, I'm not saying he's at fault, but like I've seen him make that catch before.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like I said, bad throw, low throw. I don't want to, yeah. you know, it's not an easy catch to make. I just kind of feel like and he has made that catch before. It's just something about Kincaid that makes me think that he makes that catch. But anyway, I got a lot of confidence in Kincaid right off the bat now and in going into uh these upcoming games, I think, well, I don't want to I necessarily, he's not going to play more because he already played a lot in yeah. week one, but I feel good about that two tight end set. You know, they were moving the ball well, and they were taken at times for what the Jets gave them. This keeps going back to Josh Allen. And then he just got greedy, you know, a couple of times and forced passes when other stuff were there. And I'll tell you it's Maddie Nath, and I know how busy you are. She probably don't get a chance to really watch a lot of the all 22, but as bad as it seemed to some people, and I keep going back to Josh here, as bad as he looked at times on Monday night, watching it in person live, when you watch the film, it was like, literally, it was even worse. And I say that because I I saw one of the interceptions where we're talking about tight ends here, Dawson Knox was wide open. It was that double throw down, or that deep throw to to Hardy down the field. Dawson Knox, wide open. Well, that one
3: in the interception to Gabe Davis, targeted to Gabe Davis, Yeah, where Stefan Diggs was, you know, two yards (laughs) past the sticks, like literally wide open. And it's, you know, you, you, you look at it. I don't want to sound like I'm just brushing it off and saying, listen, it's the jets. This is that team that has his number right now. Um, but that's, that's going to be my take until, until Sunday's game.
2: Yeah. And and it's fair and it's fair. And, you know, I'm kind of going like a little bit out of number here, but one of my points when it's like reasons for optimism is to not put too much stock into one game because yeah. the Jets just always seem to have Josh Allen in the Bills offense number. They're they're athletic. Their physical defense, their their front four is really good. Quentin Williams is one of the best players in the NFL and this is, ain't none new. If you've watched the Bills yeah. Jets games over the last couple years, even when the Bills win um, You know, the, the Bills lost to New York last year on the road, too. It's like they just seem to be a bad matchup for the Bills. I was telling my guy Tone, I was like, you, you know what? I'd rather the Bills played in Kansas City or almost anywhere else in an AFC championship game than having to play the Jets. Not because the Jets are better than these other teams. They just match up against the Bills a lot better.
3: Well, and, and here's the thing I keep telling myself, too. Right. Two seasons ago, Bills open at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers look horrible. Right. Get worked block punt for a touchdown. All of these things. The offense is putrid that day. Of course, you fast forward to the end of that season. Everyone's saying, gosh, if 13 seconds doesn't happen, the Bills win the Super Bowl. And then they're everyone's pick. Last year, the Bills come out looking as good as you possibly could against the Rams. Right. Thursday night football opening night. Expectations went from high to sky high that evening, and then obviously the season ended in a dud against the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals. So, like historically, as you said, it's it's one game. Yeah, it would be a hell of a lot more fun to be talking with you about a win today, and if things were humming, and if Josh looked good, and all this and that. Like, but that that wasn't Monday night, and in a weird way, like even when Rodgers went down, like take no joy in seeing anyone go down on the football field, and and Aaron Rodgers, like. The game, it felt weird going into it. Four plays into the Jets' offense, it felt even weirder. And the way things ended, it was just an empty feeling at the end of that. Even if the Bills won in overtime, there would have been no joy taken from Monday night.
2: Yeah, look, I I made no secrets that I hate Aaron Rodgers, but that sucked. I don't want to see that happen to any any player um, out there. You know, it was funny during that game, too. Uh, I always feel like when the Bills get the ball because of Josh Allen in this offense, I don't care who they're playing. I don't care where it's at. I don't care what the conditions are. I always feel like anytime the Bills start a drive is going to end in a score. That's just yeah. the way I feel because we've seen it so many times. Doesn't always work out that way, but that's how I feel confidence wise. Monday, I just, I don't know what it was, but I just did not feel good anytime the Bills uh, had the ball. But everything that's going on with offense, you know, turning this back to optimistic things. We haven't spent, whether it's you and I or other shows that I'm listening to this week, not a lot on the deep. The defense played really well. And I know it's easy to say that because it's a backup quarterback, you know, wasn't prepared to start the game. But I don't give a shit. You're on the road. Prime time. I thought the defense uh, came to play. Leonard Floyd, dude, I like that guy right off the bat. One and a half sacks. Rizzo didn't have any sacks, but he was excellent. Uh, I, I thought the, the whole defense and specifically the uh, the front four played really well. Yeah, I thought so too. And and
3: again, you talk about Floyd, you talk about Rousseau. I mean, those two guys were active. They were a menace Mm -hmm. all night long. And Gregory Rousseau, to your point, you can look at the stats and say, like, okay, hey, did he really do anything? Right from the beginning, he was in the backfield. Right, those first, yeah, yeah, um, those first few snaps that Aaron Rodgers had. I mean, the one should have been a sack, right? Rousseau just, Mm -hmm. I mean, Rodgers got out of it, and that was fine. But uh we we've talked about him, right. And the optimism that comes from a player like Rousseau and then think to yourself, yeah, Hey Floyd, what he brought to the table on Monday, that gives you the chance to ease Von Miller back after he returns from the puplist. So, you know, there's a, there's a reason to feel good about that. And again, for the most part, with a couple of, of plays that were exceptions, the defense was on point.
2: I'll tell you Greg Rizzo is a perfect example at least that game specifically of the, you know just how stats can be bullshit. You know what I mean it's yeah. um he didn't have great numbers but he was a big factor. He was in the backfield a lot. He set the edge really well. Um I know he had one run. I think it might have been stopped at the line. So again, it wasn't even considered technically a tackle for a loss, but it was just a a great play. Um yeah, Leonard Floyd My buddy Pucks and I were because he's had nine sacks three straight years. And I was like, he was thinking, oh, he's not going to that's not going to happen this year. I'm like, Well, he's already only got seven and a half more to go after one game. And yeah, Vaughn Miller coming back at some point. There's reasons to be excited right now about this defense. Um, I didn't have him on our list originally, but Terrell Bernard, I can't believe I'm saying this because I, I, in the first half, you saw on Twitter, I saw you made a comment, too. I said he was horrible because there were a couple plays in a row where he kind of got blown up in the running game. But I actually thought he played really well after that. Um, second half, he he shot the gap a couple times, made a nice couple nice plays. I watched Eric Turner, which, by the way, Bills fans, if you want to watch some really good film, go to cover one. Um, Eric Turner every week breaks down certain players and things, and this week he really focused on Bernard. And I thought that film was excellent. I it wasn't like 19 minutes. And I watched the entire 19 minutes and I came away from that saying, you know what? This guy played pretty well, especially in pass coverage. He took away a lot of things that you gotta, gotta watch the film to uh appreciate. So I'm offering a semi-apology right now to Terrell Bernard, at least for now. It might not last long, but uh I thought he played better than I gave him credit for.
3: Well, here's what I'll say about Terrell Bernard, too. And uh I didn't notice anything glaring the other night and watching the game, right? And sometimes with it, uh, you know, not going back and doing the all 22 or those pieces, it it wasn't that I'm sitting there and like, oh, there they go, taking advantage of Terrell Bernard again. Early in the game, like you said, saw one play, um, but here is a guy, you have to let him play through some things, right? Second year player, misses the preseason. You would hope that like, as things go on this season, yeah, there might be some mistakes early on, but he, you got to let him work through it, right, coming into this position. And hopefully he can, and at least a reason for some optimism. His size worries me a little bit, right, a little bit undersized when it it comes to, to playing the middle there.
2: But we'll see what happens. The Bills desperately want him to work out because, yeah. well, for a lot of reasons, obviously. But one of them is, you know, next year with the cap situation and they're not going to be able to go on and get veterans – like they did, they might have to make some tough decisions. So, to have your starting middle linebacker, which next year would only be year three of a rookie contract, and him having a full season of starting experience, will go a long way. So, I could totally see why they started with our plus. I mean, we watch with our own eyes. Terrell Dodson is just not a starting, uh, he's just not a starting middle linebacker, uh, period. But yeah, sticking with the defense, the, the front. What about Matt Milano? What another like all pro? It's almost like we take this guy so good it's easy to take him for granted. I mean, he shoots those gaps he had an interception, a, a big tackle for a loss. That it was only week one, but like that was already all pro Matt Milano right there.
3: Listen, I'm going to say this and it won't be popular. And people know that I love Matt Milano and the player that he is, mm-hmm. but that 15 yard taunting penalty costs the bills,
2: it, right? Yeah. Because you lose
3: 15 yards after an interception. You're in a position where right. You're, you're heading into the half, you know, sure in retrospect you can say you need seven there but it's just you know not to be like a old man Sean McDermott but it's like you you need to be smarter and in, in that scenario right and I mean sure. right away when you did it 15 yards is no joke I hate that it's even a penalty right you get an interception you,
2: what? Say, yeah. something,
3: you say something about the quarterback's mother or whatever like who cares right that should not be a 15-yard penalty, like the same as if you rip off someone's helmet and punch him in the face, but it is. So it's just like that's the only piece that I come away from this in a game that ended up being closer than it needed to be, that just, uh, uh, th- you know, the only thing I struggled about. So if I'm going to say something negative, it's just like, man, just be smarter there because you gave up 15 yards when you're ending the first half. You end up with three points, you know, if that's seven maybe it's a different outcome
2: maybe maybe and i i to be honest with you though i thought that was kind of a ticky tack uh oh it mean. totally I, was but they, i've seen a lot more you it, you, knew,
3: you knew the flag was was coming i mean yeah. it was um, you know and it's one of those pieces and i get it i'm a little more old school you see people like you know hey it was worth the 15 yards and you're just like i'd rather no the, i'd rather have the 15 yards than the uh you know kind of the cool uh you know moment in zach wilson's face Agreed. So. i agree
2: i agree 100 you know the funny thing too is that interception was probably one of milano's least best plays of the game because it was literally a gift yeah. i mean it was just an absolute i could have picked it off if i would have happened to be standing there it was just a, a horrible throwing decision from zach wilson but that aside he's just i love matt milano man he he played well he he is truly an anchor on this defense and you know i talk about the defensive line i'd be remiss i, I should say ed oliver played very well too i thought he oh, had yeah a, i thought he had a a good game. And then one other guy that I really liked a lot was uh, Micah Hyde. This was the first time we've seen him action in a long time. And I thought he looked quick. He was physical. He was getting to the ball quick. He closed on passes, short passes uh, really quick. So it was good to see him back there. And and I thought he played very well too for his first start in what, almost a full season now.
3: I would throw Christian Benford into the conversation too. Save four points. Yeah. You know, saving four points, definitely that one play, but Uh, no rotation at cornerback too. And I thought maybe there would be right. Maybe it would be Dane Jackson. Not too much of a surprise that Tyre Elam was inactive based on, you know, kind of his inactivity on special teams, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but Christian Benford, you know, when I say play well, again, it was against Zach Wilson and all this and that, but you know, that one play to catch Brees Hall that in itself, like, yeah, I, I can ride
2: with that guy. Yeah, I have, I was impressed with him. I think the Bills made the right decision. We did anticipate potentially Kyrie Elam I'm not even dressing for the game, and that's exactly what happened. So, uh, you know, I don't want to go down that road today, but, you know, not a good start. You know, I was going through some tweets, too, circling kind of back to, like, the overreactions from one game and Josh Allen specifically. I don't know if you saw Pete Prisco from CBS put up a tweet. The Josh Allen hate today reminds me of the pre-draft Josh Allen hate. You all were wrong about him then, and will be wrong about him again. Stupidity is abundant today. He was bad Monday night, but really, there were some, I mean, eh, not to any surprise of you and I, because we're on Twitter enough, but some of the reactions, I mean, holy shit. I was mad too, and I had some, I fired off some pretty uh, heated tweets, but come on, man. Some of the reaction to Josh Allen or Dorsey or McDermott is just unbelievable
3: yeah I think it you know we talk about expectations that some people have related to the team. You can be disappointed, but for anyone that watched the bills play the Jets last season and then going into this game, you should not be that surprised, right? There was no sense yeah. of like overwhelming confidence going into monday night's game there There just should not have been that is not the team that you want to go up against in week one. Hey, maybe if you're just like playing the dolphins to start the season and you know, it's going to be a bit of a shootout and going back and forth like they had with the chargers. At least that's a little bit more fun sure. for you because you're putting up some points. If you were being realistic going into Monday night, that is probably what you thought the game was going to to look like at least from a, you know, being a bit of a slug fest is what I'm not the interceptions or this and that, but right, yeah, people need to, uh, need to relax a, a little bit. And I always, um, you know, I enjoy listening to WGR, but Tuesday I was like, listen, I'm avoiding when, when they say like, we're going to the, to the phones. Cause some of the folks that are calling in, it is just like, Oh my gosh. Like I can't, if you're talking about benching Josh Allen, right? Like what, for who, Kyle what, Allen? what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Like, it's one thing to be upset and just say, Hey, I want to vent. I'm disappointed that. But the, the the lack of reality in some ways, it's just it's it's mind boggling. That's why it's good that we're recording on Wednesday. You have an extra day to kind of let things settle in.
2: Yeah, for sure. And look, to put a ball on losing the way in the way they did, I, I get why fans are mad because Aaron Rodgers goes down, Zach Wilson comes in, you're up two scores. The game it felt like it, the game should have just been put away. You know, the yeah. Bills only scored three points in the second half. That's just but this is not acceptable. But anyway, the other thing too, going in all off season, there's a lot of concern, at least to some people, not so much well, at least not to you anyway, but with Stefan Diggs and all the you know the drama, and not showing up to OTAs, day one a minicamp, being kind of absent. What's he gonna say? This and that. Look, the guy's a ball player, man. To in my opinion, at least, I thought he was the best player on the field for the Bills on Monday oh, yeah. night, man. 10 catches, 102 yards, Um, he he was making plays all over. So all the offseason crap, he put that shit behind him. And also, on the bench, and they showed this. It was the one time they actually showed it. Like, I was getting really mad, and I kind of hit it at this. With Josh Allen, kind of be sulking on the bench after bad plays, after the interceptions, right before the last drive they showed Stefan go up to Josh and, you know, put his hand on his head and say, let's go, man, let's go. And then the Bills go right down the field and Stefan Diggs had three catches on that drive and the Bills force overtime. Um, Anyway, my point is, if you were worried about Stefan and, you know, if his head is really into it, if his heart's really into it, those questions were answered quickly. Because again, in my opinion, I thought he was the best player in the Buffalo Bills one night.
3: Yeah, he was great. And, you know, I'm glad they showed that clip too, just from a... I, I don't know, right? Like not to put th- say put things to bed, but Diggs is everyone on that team says he is a good teammate, right? A great teammate and mm-hmm. what he does. And sometimes you you see folks in a situation where they just need that pick me up, right? And Josh's body language for as bad as it was, like, yeah, imagine you're the quarterback and you're the one that's throwing the game away, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he he – I know some people struggle when he takes ownership to things of just like he's just saying the same things, but – what do you want him to say? Yeah, right? what and he's was, right. I, I I know, and I keep go We keep going back to Josh Allen with this. That wasn't what we were trying to to do here. But as a again, back to Diggs as a teammate, you see that it's just like listen, it's an opportunity to pick someone back up. And to your point, you know, they marched down the field, got a field goal. Granted, I will admit when Tyler Bass kicked that and it hit the the camera work was a little um, <laughs> a, a little suspect. I did not think it went through. Me but, neither oh my gosh. And then they're like, it's good. And I'm like, wait, what? So anyway, I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I was glad that they showed that clip too.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. I just, I was a big fan of Stefan's game. And one other bonus thing, which I didn't have in our original uh, notes because I didn't realize it until I saw grades this morning. Take a wild guess. Well, it's not a wild guess, but who was the Buffalo bills? Number one, graded offensive line in New Jersey. On Monday night? I will guess Osiris Torrance. You guessed correctly. Rookie making his first start in a sixty point sixty nine point seven PFF grade for week one. The best among all offensive alignment and even more so, second best overall grade on the Bills behind only Stefan Diggs in week one. You know, I was watching the game and I was doing a lot of yelling at my television, specifically at the offensive line, man. Um, Spencer Brown, of course. Connor McGovern, who, by the way, had a very poor game. But again, this is supposed to be about some positive stuff. At least this segment here anyway. Um, you know, a lot of these guys struggled. Let's just leave it at that. But I didn't hear Osiris Torrance's name really once. And all the bad plays, you know, the run stuffs or Josh's sacks and things like that. I just, it never felt like it was because Osiris Torrance got beat. And sure enough, when you watch the film and you look at the grades, that was the case. So another optimistic thing, it, it sure seems like the Bills found themselves a pretty good right guard in the draft in osiris Torrance. He was good. He was the bright spot on the Bills offensive line for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, that is as good as a defensive line you are going to see this season, right? I yeah. mean, certainly playing the Eagles later in the year, but the, the Jets is the, the one. So for him to show up in that first game of the season and prove that the moment is not too big for him,
2: All right, I'm back here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. By the way, this is dropping Thursday. If you happen to be around South Buffalo on Thursday night, pop up to uh Imperial Pizza. I'm going to have Nate Gary from WGR live with me and God only knows what his takes. I will say you said, you know, it's been a couple days now. Pretty Smart day. I didn't have Nate like Monday or Tuesday. The game was Monday, but like Tuesday night with me. Who knows how pissed off and fired up he might have been. So he might be more chill by then. But anyway, it's always uh interesting and fun to get together with Nate. Eric Quinn from uh, Cover One might be able to pop up um and have some wings and do a show with us too. We'll see how that goes. But Nate's going to be there for sure. So if you happen to be in South Buffalo, uh, pop up to um Imperial Pizza. All right. So we spent some time talking about reasons to be optimistic. The defense played really well. Stefan Diggs was Stefan Diggs. It was just one game. Let's not, you know, kill the Bills. The Jets just notoriously played Buffalo well. And Josh Allen's just not, I don't think you're going to see him play any worse than he did. So it can only go up from there. I got to say, though, I got a couple notes. Um, done a couple shows already this week. And th- these are things to me that kind of like went under the radar that bother me, that really haven't been discussed. So kind of fresh topics, at least uh, to get your takes on. I, I've i spent a lot of time talking about Trent Sherfield on this show with you over the last month or so, only played 11 snaps, 16% of the snaps, Hardy, 15%, although Hardy was used early and often, uh, 22% of the snaps are him. But I I don't know, man, I I was impressed with Chen Shurfield, and I just don't like the fact that he only got 11 snaps.
3: It's tough, and it becomes a numbers game, right? You talk about playing 12 personnel, and we want to see Dalton Kincaid out there on the field, and listen, when Kincaid and Knox both play over 80% of snaps that puts you in a position where that third wide receiver, it's going to be a limited opportunity. Now, the piece where I think you can pull from to make something work is, you know, Gabe Davis played something like 97% of snaps. By morning gigs, yeah. And as much as I love Gabe Davis, it's like, listen, it is a long season, right? We've seen the effects of injuries and a high ankle sprain last year. Like, Can we get Gabe Davis somewhere around? 75 to 80% of snaps. Yeah. Free up a, you know, an additional 15 to 20%, whether it's Sherfield or Hardy, um, you know, Khalil Shakir playing like 10% of snaps. Like listen, don't nickel and dime here. Let somebody get into a groove. So if Khalil Shakir doesn't play and he's, you know, kind of a break glass in case of emergency active on game days, give it to the guys that have the opportunity. So I would have thought there would have been more Trent Sherfield, maybe that's something that can happen. But uh, I don't want to see less Dalton Kincaid. So it's a little bit of a, you
1: know,
3: pick That's, point.
2: That's admittedly a bit of a nitpick just because I'm a big Trent Shurfield guy. But yeah, you're right. You can't, I can't sit there and say, well, I want Dalton Kincaid out there. He, you know, he's put his best foot forward early on, made some plays, and I'm confident in him. And then in the next breath say, well, where's Trent Shurfield? Because more times than not, if Kincaid's out there, then Dawson Knox is out there as well. So you're only going to have two wide receivers if it's Gabe and it's Diggs most of the time. I don't know. I, I just hope they find a little more creative ways to use him. He's not going to be the guy who's going to catch six balls for 90 hours and a touchdown often. But I just feel like he's he could be useful uh to this team. Give him the ball a couple times at least. I don't even think he he, he didn't have a target. So yeah. again, that bothered me a little bit. Little bit nitpicky here, too, because I'm not saying James Cook played bad. I'm not that's not what I'm saying. But I don't know, man, the tough yards is what I need to see. You know, like his speed, he had a, he had a 13 yard run. He had a couple of nice plays and you saw some patience and acceleration with him. And if that hole's there, he can hit it pretty quickly, but I need to see. some. I don't know. I just wasn't that high on his game for, for week one. And I know it was his first start. I want to see him get tough yards between tackles. I want to see him break a couple of tackles. Um, I just didn't see that. And it's not even that I don't like him. I just, I I have a feeling this is going to slowly morph into a committee approach. I think you're going to see a little more um, Dem- Murray. I think you're going to see a little more Damian Harris. I don't know, man. And what, what was your take? Let me ask you this. What was your take on James Cook's first game?
3: Yeah. I mean, there was one point during the game and I texted with my buddy Brett back and forth throughout where I, I was almost like, man, it seems like they're going to cook a lot. Now, with some of this, right, you talk about a a game where Josh is a little bit rattled that maybe it's like, listen, by by going to your running back, it, you know, it can kind of ground you a little bit, right? Like, this is what mm-hmm. we're doing. Yeah, we're going to kind of grind some of this out. My one piece with it is it's just like for as physical a team as the Jets are, I was surprised that we didn't see more of Murray. And, right, we saw him in that last possession, that yeah. last drive um, in regulation which it's like, hey, he's getting some tough yards. He's grinding some things out. You see him in pass protection. I mean, he's 6'3", 245 pounds. The guy's a monster out there. And I've always been kind of a proponent of the bigger backs, right? Give me a Derrick Henry. Give me somebody like that. Give me an A.J. Dillon, right, who's got you know 40-inch thighs or whatever it is that's just going to be able to grind that out. Murray is that guy. And I was surprised that we didn't see more of him and Harris early in the game especially as physical as things were to just be like, here's a guy that can get you five yards up the middle and just kind of like knock some heads. Um, yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed with cook to your point. He, he did some good things. I just don't know if this was the opponent that was best for him versus those two other physical backs.
2: Agreed. A hundred percent. He had 16 touches in the game, which is a good number. Yeah. Only one of those touches went for more than 10 yards. Um, I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy that could really hurt a defense when, when you're worried about the Bills throwing the ball over the field. And, you know, you, you're, you're going to surrender the run. Because, again, he's fast. He's quick. He hits the hole quick. He'll have some big games. And I'm being nitpicky. I don't, I got nothing. Come I don't dislike James Cook. I agree with you. This felt like a game to me where if you're going to pound the ball and try to protect a lead, like Latavius Murray should have got him more run just because of his size. But again, being a little bit, uh, nitpicky tell you one thing i'm not being nitpicky about though i thought i was the only one who had this opinion and then i listened to uh to joe marino's lockdown bills earlier uh, this morning or actually no late last night on on tuesday night he broke down the film and he had his opinions and one guy that he was pretty down on was jordan boyer and i'm a big jordan boyer guy I i was very happy for him to resign i think we talked about it a couple weeks ago that pittsburgh game where he just took a bad angle and got smoked well, kind of, sort of happened again when that Brees Hall run. It's just like he's still quick and instinctive, and I and I still trust him. But he gets his. It's like his feet are stuck in cement at times. I don't. Know, maybe his age is starting to show a little bit on some of these plays. But he got smoked uh, at least once or twice, and I, I just thought he did not play well. And again, I, I kind of listening to Joe Marino's show that confirmed it. He has studs and duds. Like, he runs down guys that he really liked and guys that he didn't. And he was on the dud list, man. It's, um, I don't know, maybe, 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 Anthony, we're, we're starting to see why there wasn't a lot of interest in him around the league despite his numbers and being an all-pro. I don't know what it is, but I wasn't impressed with Jordan Boyer on Monday night. And I don't say that often. Yeah.
3: It's interesting with him. So you talked about the preseason game against Pittsburgh. I remember back, I think it was during the 2019 season, uh, a similar type play, a long touchdown or reception to, to Hayden Hurst, right, where he had like 60 yards after the catch, where I remember Poyer taking a bad angle with that before, and, you know, that in-between of just a, hey, when you're playing that position, are you just going to get caught here and there? Now, Joe also talked about the misalignment on that play and mm-hmm. that the Bills were totally not in position that they they needed to be. That's not an excuse for taking the proper angle and what took place right now yeah I'll be curious with Poyer right I'll be curious this next weekend against the Raiders a team that yeah they have a a great running back and Josh Jacobs but I expect them to look to pass the ball a bit more than obviously Zach Wilson was going to coming into this game and and to see how he he looks so I will say I'm I'm not concerned yet
2: but I'm I'm keeping an eye on. (laughs) <laughs> That's about the most I'm going to get from Anthony Marino when it comes to a, <laughs> to a topic like that. One last thing. I, I, I don't want to play. I'm not going to blame one person. It was a bad, first of all, the punt in the middle of the field. It was a bad punt. And there were multiple guys who screwed up assignments. But look, I'm a UB guy, man. Love local players. Um, I like the underdogs. I want to be a Cam Lewis guy, but I'm not. And just, I, I, I'm over it with him, man. He He missed that first tackle. And, it, we're, you know, we, we know how the game ended. I just go back to last year when it started against the Vikings and what a disaster that was Damar Hamlin didn't dress. I'm ready to see Damar, Not because it's a feel good story. Although that obviously adds to it. But if I'm, if I'm Brandon Bean, if I'm Sean McDermott, whoever is going to make that decision, you know what I'm, I'm dressing Damar Hamlin on, on Sunday and Cam Lewis could take a, a, a he could stand on the sideline. I'm over it, man. I'm over it. the guy gets on the field. He looks great in camp. looks good in the preseason. I know why. I get why he made the team. His versatility, this and that. But he's not the nickel guy. If Terran goes down, we've seen uh, Monday. It, it's rap. I'm over it, man. He, you you got to make that tackle. And he wasn't the only one who screwed up. But you got to make that tackle. I'm just, I'm over him.
3: It's a tough one with him because, to your point, feel-good story, all of these things. It's... uh. But yeah, special teams when, you know, you, you, no one cares about special teams when it comes to roster construction, right? And I do it all the time. 53 man projection like, oh, whatever, you know, special teams, you figure it out, this guy, that guy. But then when you keep a guy because of his special teams prowess and there's a a, a miss and it ends up being and you know, Saron Neal was uh not without fault on that punt coverage either on Monday well, night. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, it Not just nervous. exacerbates things, right? Because it's just like if that's really why you're here, that can't happen.
2: And the bill to lose a game on a special teams punt return for a touchdown, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, is probably the most infuriating. Because this is a team that probably uses more resources than anyone on the face of this earth when it comes to special teams on their roster. But anyway, I- I'd seen enough with-, with Cam Lewis. I'd I'd like to see Demar Hamlin play on Sunday. Night. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. One last Bills thing, and then we'll get to our finish the sentence. Again, t- going back to optimism, shit game, you're 0-1. You got two, let's just say, very winnable games. These next two games, the Raiders at home and the Washington Commanders on the road, it would be catastrophic to me if you lose either of those games. You're 2-1, and then you go to week four at home against Miami. You go and you beat Miami, and you put a good, good game together, and you beat the Dolphins this Jets game starts to mean a lot less. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the yeah. Group? I mean,
3: listen, if the Bills play well against the Raiders, all will be forgotten Ooh. from what happened on Monday night. It, listen, I think when you talk about the – yeah. You know, I mean, listen, if Josh throws for 375 and three touchdowns and they win yeah, by yeah. two scores, like, you know, everything everything will be sunshine and rainbows come, come Monday when people are breaking down the show. But I, I will say this again. I can still feel optimistic and I know we started the show, we talk about Ted Lasso and all this and having that type of mindset. For as bad as you can look at things on Monday night, it just came down to Josh Allen. I've seen enough of Josh Allen to play great football and so have you and everybody else that's listening to just be like, okay, this was a bad game. I mean, heck, we've seen Josh go out and still have multiple turnovers and have a great game, right? To put up three hundred sure. plus yards and multiple touchdowns and going for the long run. So I'm I'm gonna remain optimistic because you look at it and you're like, okay, it was one player and it was your best player that put
2: up the stinker. So I'm 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 on to I'm on to Las Vegas, Pat. And that's fair. And and going back to the opening game last year, the Bills turned the ball over four times, but they still smacked the shit out of the Rams to uh to open up the season. So yeah, look, it was one of those. A bad opponent and everything that could go wrong for the quarterback went wrong, and, and just leave it at that. If it's a, uh, you know, if your quarterback's Kirk Cousins or, or Jerry Goff, a guy along those lines, then maybe you're a lot more concerned. But we've seen enough good things from Josh Allen. To have confidence that things will get a lot better uh, going forward. All right, let's finish up. Finish the sentence. This is going to be different. So I always have four questions for Anthony. Kind of a an opportunity for people to get to know a little bit more about you and us beyond just uh, how we feel about this football team that we talk about every week. This is going to be an all-actors edition, so pretty simple, straightforward, uh, to the point, point. and we'll start with the first one. These are all actors and what your favorite movie is from this actor, and we'll start with uh, Denzel Washington. My favorite Denzel Washington movie is blank. So, and with
3: each of these picks, I'm going off the beaten path, right? Because I think it would be easy to pick the most recognizable films and roles for mm-hmm. folks but truly when i talk about my favorite it's not like what the norm is um my favorite denzel washington movie and he is truly one of my favorite actors love so much that he has done uh man on fire right his role as john creasy is one of the greatest movies i've ever seen because here you take this actor that you've seen in so many great roles right and what he has been and so distinguished and poised and just this leader and now he's going to come in and i am just going to wreck shit yeah. during this movie right like somebody kidnapped a little girl that i'm the bodyguard for guess what i am going like scorched earth on all of this one of my absolute favorites easy choice here
2: I don't know what you're going to say until you say it. I might, I'll send you the questions so that you have some time to think about them, but I don't know what you're going to say. I have the same thing. That's my favorite movie too. Love that movie. What a badass he turns into, man. Um, yeah, he's willing to die, literally die to save the girl and he does. Well, I just gave a spoiler away, but you know what, who cares, man? That shit is so old. But anyway, yeah, easy choice for me too. I did have as a runner up. It's a Christmas movie, The Preacher's Wife. I, I loved him in that as well. That was good. But yeah, nothing compares to uh, Man on Fire. I'm pleasantly surprised that you picked that. And it's a rare time where we actually say the uh, the same answer. All right. My favorite Robert De Niro movie is... This is hard because there's like a billion of them.
3: And this is going to be unpopular because people are like, yeah, that's not like a traditional De Niro movie. But I still remember when I went to see uh, Meet the Parents and just honestly like for him out of character right in that mm. comedic role in a way that was just so different than anything else he had done yeah it would be easy for me to say you know Goodfellas or Raging Bull or anything like that but it's just like when I when I think of De Niro I mean that movie I laughed so hard throughout that and I just thought it was uh it was a lot of fun so that was the first thing that came to mind. Some of your listeners are probably like Anthony. What are you doing? You're talking about Robert De Niro here, but
2: for <laughs> me, that that was just uh, that was one that stood out. That's a good one. That would be on my short list, but for me, it's got to be Godfather too. Either or, Coin Flip, Taxi Driver. I don't even know if you've seen that. That that's an an old movie of yeah. De Niro. He was he was excellent in that. One of the most iconic actors, uh, you know, of all time. I wanted to say Goodfellas, but. You know, I don't. Was he really a star in that movie? It just felt like he was like one of four or five, you know, main characters. Um, you know, I kind of said the same thing about the Godfather too, I suppose. But I don't know. Anyway, all right, two more here. I don't. You know, I don't like having people like Robert De Niro on. That's just too hard because there's so many freaking good movies. My favorite Vince Vaughn movie is Blank Swingers,
3: and that is one when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it with my buddies not knowing who Vince Vaughn was, right? I'd seen Jon Favreau and some stuff, and had read an article about the movie and how, you know, Favreau kind of pulled this together. I I don't remember all of the specifics, but, right, this low-budget indie film, at that point, I was in my early 20s, right? So you can kind of, in whatever way, relate to going out with your buddies on the weekends and, and having a good time. And Vince Vaughn just stole every single scene that he had in that movie. Right. I mean, just playing yeah. with Sega yeah. Genesis hockey and just, you know, like kind of the smack talk that he had going on through the entire thing. It was just like, what a memorable performance. And, it, you know, his first performance that so many folks would would see. Right. Maybe you saw him beforehand in Rudy, but that's like you didn't know who Vince Vaughn was or any of those those sides to it. But just his best performance, like his first his first major type of gig that he had and he was great
2: you know two of these first three i because i agree by the way swingers was my pick as well i thought they would be harder because of how many movies you know the these actors have been in but i agree this was actually kind of an easy choice and i you know he's in a lot of popular ones too like old school and and, uh, dodgeball he was really good in the breakup with jennifer addison too and you saw another side of vince Vaughn that you usually don't see in uh movies for christmases was pretty good too with Reese Witherspoon, but yeah, for me, it, without a question, his breakout performance was uh with Swingers. All right, last one. My favorite Kevin Costner movie is blank.
3: I'm curious if you've seen this movie, but it's uh, McFarland, USA. And a- again, kind of going off the beaten path with things here. Maybe things folks haven't seen. Yeah, it would be easy to say Field of Dreams, but uh, McFarland, USA. Kevin Costner uh, goes from being a football coach to a cross-country coach at a a school in in Texas and really needs to build a a program. And finding these these young athletes in many ways, there's a language barrier, there's a cultural barrier. Um, It's a Disney film, so if you have Disney+, Plus, you can pull it up Um, not too long, but just taking a a group of guys and forming them into one of the great cross-country programs in the state of Texas, guys that had never run before and never done any of that work. I thought it was a great representation again overcoming some cultural barriers and you know not to make it sound like it's the uh you know the remember the titans of uh of cross country movies because I mean can you even think of a a cross country movie out there but it hits all of those great sports movie points of coming together and uh it's one of my favorites and I think a great role for
2: Costner. It's relatively recent. I mean, maybe within the last 10 years. I'll have to check that out. I've never seen that movie. Um, there's a lot of good choices. Field of Dreams would be the most obvious one, but have you seen Tink Cup? Yeah, I've seen I love Tinkup. Tinkup. Take it for me, it's Tink Cup. Just you know, for a lot of reasons, but just that scene at the end where he just keeps putting ball after ball in the water and just he blows the U.S. Open, but then he, he sticks the last shot. What a great ending. I just love that movie. As a golf fan, I just thought it was hilarious too as well. So nice little sweet romantic comedy. It's um, so, so go different, right?
3: Because you think of the yeah. ending, any sports movie, you're expecting him to make the shot, to win the U.S. Open, for it to propel his career. And it was just the exact opposite, right? And him just holding his hand out to get another golf ball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Cheech Marin, who's playing his caddy, is just like, Doesn't existing, and he just keeps putting his hand out again. Yeah. and again, like, <laughs> There's still not a ball in my hand. It was, uh, that was a great pick.
2: It was. All right, let's end this show on a positive note. Bills are at home. The home opener on Sunday, 1 p.m. game. By the way, love 1 p.m. games. I did not like Monday night. Do you like Monday night games when the Bills play? I hate it. It just, it takes forever to get there. Sunday night football goes all day. If time passes, fine. Monday night football, hate it.
3: The the thing that I'm okay with the any of the primetime games is just because there's less conflicts going on, right? It's not, oh, my kid might have something or we've got a commitment. That's I got to, you know, an event I've got to get to for work. Like usually 8.30 on Monday night, there is nothing going on. You can settle down. But um, yeah. As I get older, though, it's just uh, yeah, I'm 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 okay with Sunday at one o'clock. I really yeah. like Sunday at four o'clock. Okay. I think Sunday at four o'clock is another good time. You can kind of you know plan whatever food you're doing for dinner around it. Early dinner time of things. But look at me now. I'm talking about like the early bird special here. So.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you this: taping it's it's hard enough for me to want to watch a Bills Monday night game, but. Taping a, a, a podcast minutes after a late night, you know, 1130 quarter to 12 Buffalo Bills overtime loss, which team they should have beat, was not one of my more enjoyable experiences of being a having a podcast for the last five years. Pat, I will be
3: honest with you. I was going to record a show because usually my show for Buffalo Rumblings uh, comes out around midnight on Tuesday, right? Yeah, so right. Late, late Monday night. And uh, I was going to do a postgame show. And after that ended, I'm like, yeah, there's... I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to get on, you know, and rant for 15 minutes and be and be that guy. It was one of those nights where I'm like, you know, I don't even know if I should be doing this anymore. Like, what <laughs> am I, you know? Like, you're contemplating of just should I should I be retiring from from the podcast game? So, you know, you talk about not wanting to to overreact or do something right after. Uh, I think I made the right decision not recording after Monday night's game.
2: I uh, I was stuck recording. I had my guy Tone with me, who was in studio yeah. with me on Sunday and <laughs> Monday, so not a fun experience. But anyway, all right. So give me a prediction for Sunday as as we get out of here. I'm definitely going to hold you to this next time you're on too.
3: Yeah, I'll say Bills by thirteen. Bills um, by thirteen. Yeah. I think it'll be one of those. I am, uh, you know, as I look at the 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 Raiders, I think they can do some good things. Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a, a game manager. But I think it's one of those where, you know, it stays around seven points, six points, whatever, for most of the game. Bills score another touchdown late. And uh, again, I think Josh Allen puts it together on Sunday. And next week, it's sunshine and rainbows from Bills Mafia.
2: Sunshine and rainbows. All right, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ant Marino. Check out breaking Buffalo rumblings. What's your prediction? Um, You're going to have me make a prediction, but you're not going to make one? I haven't thought of one yet. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, they're gonna they're not gonna lose. All right. They better not lose. All right. This podcast might be over if the Bills lose. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. I will be back with uh Nate Geary live from Imperial Pizza. Well, depending on when you're watching, it's tonight. So talk to you then. <laughs>